You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the show. If you're new here, my name is Joe. I am your host. We are talking about things that make us human. Today, I want to talk about a very specific emotion that all humans deal with that we all face called fear. Fear runs the show for so many people on so many different levels. I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it to you. Hopefully, we can walk away from this session together and there will be some time for you to maybe look at your own life and examine potential fear there and how do you deal with the fear in your life. Now, one of the things is there's a ton of different ways that fear presents itself, right? Like there's the fear of driving down the road. In fact, I know someone who was in an accident when she was younger, uh, below the legal driving age. Uh, Someone else was driving. There was a bad accident. And she was in it, and so she never got her license, spent her whole adult life never getting her license. And when you think about it, that fear is somewhat irrational because what it does is it reiterates, it puts her back in the position of being a passenger, right, riding in a car, which is what she was in when the accident. But fear isn't often logical. It's one of the things that that fear is. It's an emotion, and and it presents itself in ways that are uncomfortable to us, and there are fear of things. One time a number of years ago, my daughters climbed a ladder, and I felt fear for them, even though they didn't. And right, and that often happens. We have fear for our children, for our loved ones, that we, we want them to avoid pain, and sometimes we cause them to avoid being able to see the things that are beneficial or that would cause growth because we want them to avoid potential pain. We see the potential pain. There's fear of, of outcomes. I see this a lot as a marriage therapist. People are afraid to put in the work. People are afraid to put in the effort. People are afraid to do the things that we know will help them get a healthy relationship because they don't know how it turns out. Often that line of fear goes something like, Why would I do this if I don't know for sure how it's going to turn out? This can present itself in a number of ways because we're worried about the outcome. Maybe if I hate my job, I won't leave it because, well, what if I go to school and I fail? What if I run out of money? What if I don't like my new job? If I'm in an area that I don't like and maybe I don't move, maybe I shouldn't move. You know, when my wife and I moved to where we currently live almost 12 years ago, there were people who told me, you're stupid, don't do this. And at that time, we kind of said, well, this is what we think we should do. And if we're wrong, what's the worst that happens? We're right where we started. Right, and so this comes down to that fear of of failure. Imagine if I could talk, doing a podcast and not being able to talk. Imagine that. But the fear of failure, even in making a podcast, I can't tell you the voice that runs through my head every time I go to make a podcast. It's just always there. People aren't going to listen. People aren't going to like it. You're going to say something stupid. You're going to trip over a word. And you know what's really funny? All of that's true. There are people that don't listen. There are people that don't like it. There are words that I stumble over. There are sentences that I say that don't make sense. There's sense. There is editing that doesn't go quite as smoothly as I would like it to happen. And yet there are people who also listen to it. There are people who appreciate it. There are people that it helps. There are people whose lives are enriched from it. In other words, I'm simultaneously failing and succeeding. This is an important point that I want to come back to later. 
the simultaneously failing and succeeding. Because often, you know, you'll hear people say fear, fear is a liar. The truth is often fear is a partial truth teller. Think about the different ways that we fail. In fact, this is a huge stumbling block for people who are deciding for forgiveness. Do I forgive? Do I not forgive? Often the fear is, well, if I forgive, how do I know they won't do it again? Whatever it is, how do I know they won't do it again? Here's the bad news. You don't know that. But if you don't forgive them, you break up with them, divorce them, leave them, whatever it is, and you go with someone else, you move into a different relationship, you don't know that they won't do it because there's no guarantees to the future, right? The person who says, well, if I put in the work, if I work hard at this relationship, if I give of myself, how do I know I won't end up with just a broken relationship? You don't. But you also don't know that you will. In other words, you could put in the work, you could put in the effort, you could forgive, and your relationship might be better than you've ever dreamed that it would be. I know a couple that there was an affair, there was forgiveness, and they will tell you if you met them today that their relationship is better than it ever was in the past. In fact, I know a lot of couples like that. They took a chance, they risked, and it worked out. Now, I also know couples that they took a chance, they risked, and it didn't work out. That's kind of the nature of my job. But one of my favorite things to ask people is why. In other words, I don't really care about the what that you're doing. I want to know the why. And is fear a good reason to not do something or to do something? I don't think that it is. I think that if fear is running the show, you should avoid it. You should go the other way. You should do whatever the fear tells you not to do. You shouldn't do whatever the fear tells you to do most of the time. Live courageously. Let's talk for a minute about what I think could be the most insidious fear that we currently have in our society. That could be a little bit of an overstatement, but not by much. How about the fear of missing out? Uh, someone sent me a video recently where a young man's talking about the, this, what he calls decision anxiety. And that decision anxiety is from his desire for external validation, which there's probably some truth to. But even more than that, I actually think that decision anxiety today, as we see it, especially as it affects our younger adult generations, is a fear of missing out with an overabundance of choices. Because every decision you make limits the next decision that you could make. And we inherently know this, and because we chase happiness, not contentment, we get a fear of missing out, which creates anxiety. We chase we, 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 can't be, we can't be disappointed. We can't be sad. We can't make this choice over here, which means we lose out on this choice over there. And so we get decision anxiety, which is really just a new name for fear of missing out, for FOMO. Do I move to Milwaukee or do I stay in Grand Rapids? Well, which one will make me happier? Well, you could be equally happy in either one because happiness is a choice that results from the pursuit of contentment. But fear, when it drives the show, it says to us, it doesn't matter what you do, you won't be happy. You won't be happy in Grand Rapids, you won't be happy in, in Milwaukee. Or what if you choose Milwaukee and you realize you should have moved to L.A.? And what if you moved to L.A. and you realize you should have stayed in Grand Rapids? Or worse, the fear says, what if you move and you're still unhappy? What if you go to grad school and you're still unhappy? What if you're single and you go on a date and you're still unhappy? What if you're dating and you're still unhappy? What if you're married and you're still unhappy? What if you have kids and you're still unhappy and it runs and it runs and it runs and it runs and it's faster and it's faster and it's faster and we get paralyzed because we let fear that we somehow happiness is out there and not in us because we don't chase contentment. 
And so we have the fear of missing out or fear of failure, right? How does that work? Well, the fear of failure. So what if you fail? Well, but then people might judge me. This is where we get to the where he had some good points in the video. He talks about external validation. What if people judge you? What if people look at you and be like, wow, why'd she wear that outfit? Why did he cut his hair like that? Why did he go to school for that? Why did he stand up to that? Why did he say this? Why did he vote for Trump? Why did he vote for Bernie? Actually, Bernie didn't run. Who was it? Uh, Hillary. Why did he vote for Hillary? Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, Joe. We were talking about fear of failure, and now you're talking about other people and how they judge us. But isn't that the fear that actually runs behind fear of failure? If I fail, what will other people say? What will that mean about me and my own worth? This idea is somewhat revolutionary for many people. Uh, I was reading a fictional book this summer. One of the things I've loved about this summer is I've been able to read a lot of fictional books. And in it, one of the guys was talking, one of the characters was talking to another character, and he said, you know, it's interesting. If you get up and you walk on a, in a two-foot space in a hallway, say a three-foot space, you're not nervous at all. You, you don't really think about it much. Take that same hallway, put the floor 10 stories up or, or even... 15 feet up with no walls and suddenly your fear of falling kicks in same hallway same space but suddenly the idea that you could fall has kicked in in part because we know the consequences are if you fall you're going to get hurt but the reality the chances that you're going to fall are minimal one of the things that fear does one of the ways that it creeps into your life is it starts sentences with what if what if this bad thing happens? What if that bad thing happens? And fear starts to bubble up and it starts to run and it starts to spread and it starts to not only say, well, what if this bad thing happens? Well, once that happens, what about this other bad thing? And it starts to stack all of these terrible consequences one on top of the other until you're paralyzed from the fear. You're stuck. Now, most people can relate to this next example. Think about somebody you know who is stuck in a relationship that's bad. Sometimes it's so bad, like the person they're dating will only have them over when nobody can see them. Uh, it's just for sex or it's just for, you know, their own personal amusement and a pleasure. And you're looking at your friend thinking, why are you dating this guy? Why are you dating this girl? I would suggest it's fear. The fear of being alone. It's better to be with someone who treats me poorly than it is to be alone. Because being alone is scary and fearful. And if I break up with him, if I break up with her, I don't know that I'll find someone else. What if I don't? Right, so fear starts with that what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And, and here's the problem with it. When we're stuck on those what ifs, we stop living. We stop pursuing things that actually help us be human. We stop pursuing things that feed our soul, that nourish our spirit, and we become reclusive. We live an almost recluse life because we think we're controlling our exposure to pain, but we're really not. We just are exchanging it. We're getting a different form of pain. And the problem is the fear shuts down our ability to think through this logically. It shuts down our ability to reason with our emotion. It just hijacks our brain. And as we engage in the fear rather than process it, we run into this space, this place, where we're no longer thinking through what it is we're discussing. We're just afraid. And then we have this, this, these other emotions that come in. We have shame. We don't want anybody to know we're afraid. That's shame. We might even have guilt. We might beat ourselves up. And, and the thing with fear is, as it brings in this what-if situation, it also starts to catastrophize for us. And catastrophize is one of my favorite words. 
What it means is it makes the bad things really loud. All the bad possibilities get really loud. And all the good possibilities kind of get muted. And so we have all these different fears that run. They run through our lives. They run through our actions. And the question becomes, what do we do with them, right? As it's taking away, it's actually, it's causing us to not live the way that we should live. And part of it is, is we have to accept some hard things when it comes to fear, right? The first thing we have to do is we have to accept that fear in and of itself is not always accurate. It's a partial truth teller. One of the things that happens, let's say we hire a new therapist and they're afraid that they're going to mess up. And so they try to do everything on their own rather than asking questions. Because what if I mess up? Well, maybe they'll fire me. And they start with this what if, what if I mess up? And then they catastrophize it. Well, I'll get fired, I'll lose my job, I won't be able to pay my bills, I'll lose my house, I'll lose my kids, I'll lose my everything falls apart. And what happens is, is they start making mistakes. They start actually making mistakes because their fear, which is illogical, won't let them ask questions. What about the person thinking about trying to decide, am I going to forgive or not? They end up being mean. They end up saying hurtful things because they have to protect themselves. And so they live in this space and they actually end up with the very pain that they're trying to get rid of because the partial truth, it could happen again. And so when things go well, they sabotage, they blow it up, they drink to excess, they they hurt themselves uh, either... Uh, emotionally and, and so they blow up the relationship or they they engage in activities that they know will hurt the other person so that they can keep themselves safe from pain but they don't actually keep themselves safe from pain because they listen to the what if and the catastrophication and it blew up on them it ran and the first thing they have to do if they're going to overcome that is they have to recognize and accept the fact that fear is only a half truth teller it could happen again but it might not so here's your first step to correct that in your mind is you have to force yourself to come up with other what-ifs. What if I succeed? What if I do fail, but it isn't as bad as I think it is? What if I don't make it? What if we do break up? What if we don't break up? What if he does again? Then I'll deal with that again. See, one of the things that fear does is it plays on our desire to control everything. And one of the ways that we can limit fear, that we can lower fear, is by living in the moment and dealing with the problem that presents itself, not worrying about the problem that might present itself. Well, what if? What if this? What if I do this and it happens again? Okay, well, what if you don't do it and you miss out on one of the most beautiful things that you could ever imagine in your life? What if that happens? See, that's a different what if. Fear, it runs in our habits of thinking. But it presents itself in our hands and our feet and our head and our gut. If we're going to change it, we actually probably will fail most of the time if we start with our habits of thinking. If we start with our hands and our feet and our heads and our guts, we can work our way backwards to our habits of thinking. In other words, well, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes right? What if I do the thing that fear wants me to do and that goes wrong? What if I decide to move to Milwaukee and I realize that I would have been happier in Grand Rapids? Move back. Well, what if I can't? What if you can? 
most of the time, the fear in our head is always louder and more dangerous than the actual fear in the real world. So the first thing that we do is we challenge that what-if thought. We go after it. We pursue it. We run it down. What if becomes, well, what if it works out right? What if I do this other thing and it doesn't? We have to challenge the what-if thing. And then we have to look for those catastrophications and challenge them. Challenge them with positive things. Now, I'm going to take a side note here for a second, and I want to point something out. If you struggle with anger, you're probably afraid. I want you to think about fear like a ladder. In fact, I call it the emotional ladder. That's not, I'm sure, you know, just me. I'm sure there are other people that do that. The first rung is what we call primary emotions. Fear is one of them. The second rung is anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Something precedes it. Most of the time, it's fear. And so if you're a person who struggles with anger or you're living with someone who you care about who struggles with anger, I'm going to suggest that it's actually fear that they're struggling with and they deal with the fear through anger. Anger covers up their fear. They run into an issue. They get afraid. They experience fear. They don't know what to do with that fear. They don't know how to overcome it. So they get angry. In fact, there was a time in counseling and psychology's history where counselors actually taught people that. Just get angry and you'll be able to overcome your fear. If you know an alcoholic, there's a good chance, or any substance abuser, there's a good chance that fear is running their narrative. And they use that substance to handle the fear because it lessens the pain. It mutes the pain of the fear. And so they get drunk. They get high. They seek adrenaline. They trade drugs for G- they trade drugs for Jesus, and they get all super religious and, and almost a little bit weird. And so they do these things because they're afraid, and their fear is that they'll lose control. I'd actually argue that most fear comes from the idea that we can't control everything, which brings me to my third point. So first of all, we have to challenge the what-ifs. We have to challenge the catastrophication, and now we have to brutally accept that we don't control much in life. You can do everything right and still die. You can be driving down the road following all the rules, following all the speed limit signs, and somebody can still hit you. I just watched a video today of a couple that was doing nothing. They were just sitting at a stop sign in the middle of the afternoon, and some kid was running from the cops, and he hit them so hard he split their car in half. And one of the people died. And fear would say, well, what if that happens to me? The answer is to stay home, to never go out, to not live my life. Because what if that happens to me? But here's the thing, fear. What if I spend the rest of my life living in my house, never going out? What's the point? What's the purpose? We have to accept that we don't control as much as we would like. Which is terrifying. Welcome to the cycle of fear. And so it spins. So the first thing we do is we challenge the what ifs. We come up with alternative what ifs. Yes, so my fear is saying, what if this, what if that? And I'm going to say, well, what if this other good thing happens? Then we're going to challenge the catastrophication scenarios in our head. We're going to, we're going to push against those. Well, then we're going to accept the fact that we just don't control nearly as much as we would like. I watch parents do this all the time. They think they can control completely the type of person their, their kids are. It just isn't the case. You can't do it. You have to accept that they're sentient human beings who get to make their own choices. And you're going to make mistakes, and that doesn't mean you're going to screw them up. They're resilient. They need to know that they're loved. And then the fourth thing is we're going to make some movement and some motion. 
We're going to do things to push back against the fear. So let's just run this down. Maybe you're thinking about going back to school and you're afraid. Okay, we'll make a list of potential schools that you could go to to get the education that you need. Make some comparisons between online schools and brick-and-mortar schools. Which is going to work best for you? Maybe you went to sc- back to school before and you failed out or you stopped. Okay, figure out why. Write down what did you do that caused you to flunk out. Was it you were too busy? You didn't handle your schedule? Did you just not apply yourself? Was the coursework too hard? What was going on? Why did you get the outcome that you got last time? Now, here's the thing. You're not applying to schools at this point or anything. You're just looking at the possibilities. Maybe you're trying to decide if you're going to forgive your spouse of infidelity. Write down what the possible outcomes are if you don't forgive. Write down what the possible outcomes are if you do forgive. Look at them. Admit you might be biased because of your fear. Now, make a list of things that you could do, right, with the school thing. I could apply. That's just one thing. I could just apply. It doesn't commit me. It's just an application. With the forgiveness thing, I could decide that I forgive, and I'll probably have to decide again and again and again. We're going to pick that one up in the future. Whatever it is, I could put the work in. This next week, I could go on a date with my spouse and put in the effort to making our relationship as good as it could possibly be. After we accept that we don't have any control, we have to look for the things that we do control. And we've got to push movement into those things. Move yourself forward. What does control look like in a world that you can't control? Well, okay, if it's I want to go back to school, I can apply to the school. I can call the school and go interview them. We always think they have to interview us. Remember, they're selling you a product. Go interview them. See what kind of fit it is for you. If it's changing your job, you could research what jobs are out there that you might be interested in. If it's starting a business, whatever it is, just pick one thing. Here's the thing about fear. Once you start moving, fear starts to dissipate. It starts to go away. And the more you do something, the less fearful you are in doing it, usually. So fight the what-ifs. Push back against catastrophication. Accept that you don't control nearly as much as you think you control. And then do something. Make movement. Move forward. Push forward. Do something. All right. So that's the end of today's episode. I want to thank you, the people who have been writing in and telling me uh, what they like about the show, what they don't like. Uh, If you have a question or comment that you'd like to to send to me, that you'd like to tell me about this episode or any of the episodes, feel free to email me, info at joemartino.com. Just put podcast in the subject, info, I-N-F-O, at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and just click on the Contact Me page and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.